Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Jack and Joe show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Eskin-Taylor. Me, Joe McCarthy. Today we're here with Michael Primrose. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, gents. You right? Great. Yeah, pretty you. good, thanks. Pretty good. good. Um, crazy market right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just a tad, yeah. Yeah, a very, yeah. very odd time to be in property, I think. That's for sure. That's for sure. A lot of people are expecting a, a change in the market. Um you know, a lot of the older time landlords they talked with and uh, they were talking about, they were expecting something, but they didn't realize that it would be a virus that might trigger it. But um, just so happens that it was. So um, you're in property finance and you specialize in bridging, I believe, and uh, bridging and commercial finance. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah. So we specialize in, in bridging and development finance. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, can you give us a little talk about maybe your background and how oh, you got involved in in, uh, in brokering and, and finance and all the rest? Yeah, so uh, I left school, went straight into conveyancing. Uh, I didn't really fancy the university scene as such. Um, I, I actually had a, a place at London Metropolitan to study uh, crime scene forensics. So I sort of did a complete U-turn, really yeah. went, from, went from that into uh, conveyancing, sort of specialising in residential and commercial stuff. Um, got pretty bored of that. Um, that was I think after about two or three years of doing that. So I was 20, 21 at that point. Uh, then went into a state, a state agency for a bit. Uh, just sort of seemed like the natural move to make. Uh, again, specialising in, in sort of yeah. residential, a little bit of land as well. Um, and then just as I turned 22, uh, I'd, I'd gone back into conveyancing. Uh, but just as I turned 22, got made redundant. Uh, and then sort of from there sort of fell into finance really um, we were expecting our first child myself and my wife uh, expecting our first child at that point uh, and it was literally a case of just need to get into the first job that I can find um, and it so happened to be that uh, there was a local business looking for a business development manager for uh, sort of business finance initially uh, so invoice discounting invoice factoring business loans that sort of thing um sort of got in there and, and realized that actually there was a market within sort of commercial property finance 
yeah. that we could get into. Uh, so got into that, was there for probably the best part of two and a half years, uh, sort of worked my way up to the top, um, brought in a team underneath me, was doing very, very well, got a sort of good reputation around me, uh, and then decided actually I want to sort of go out and do this for myself. Uh, so I mm-hmm. got into a yeah, well, at that point, I got into a pretty horrendous JV uh, with a couple of guys, and we we agreed we were going to start up a uh, a commercial finance brokerage, which which lasted nine months. Uh, didn't really do any business. Uh, ended very badly. Um, so in November 2018, uh, I was sat there having not made any income for three months, and when what am I going to do? Um, and I, I was actually giving a talk in Leeds in November, uh, and the guy who, who hosts the event welcomed me on stage as the property finance guy. So I was like, you know what? Actually, that that works. <laughs> uh, so just literally from there, just completely branded myself as the property finance guy, built up a really good following, uh, and, and just sort of threw myself into the market. Um, and yeah, we're now... what just shy of 18 months later uh got a team of six six people now um turned over a quarter of a million pounds last year uh we're now already on track to to do that sort of before the start of april this year so um we've had sort of exponential growth um and yeah as of well i don't know when this podcast is going to go out but as of mid-march shall we say uh, we actually re- rebranded the entire business to the Property Finance Collective uh, purely because I'm not a one-man band anymore. Um, yeah. So I was just very yeah. conscious that the Property yeah. Finance guy, everyone was like, oh, it's, it's Michael working on his own, but it, it's not. It's, it's me and a whole team. Um, so yeah, we rebranded to the Collective and that brings us to today. Yeah, I was just going to ask when you said you you worked your way up in um, in the company before you went to before you set up that JV. How long did that take to to work yourself up to sort of get that team in um, working sort of underneath you and the people that you brought in? How long did that take? Oh, it wasn't long at all. Um, I mean, I think within six to nine months, I'd made it to director level. Um, really? Wow. Or director title, I should say. I wasn't a director on a company's house. Um, yeah, sort of made it to direct a title, uh, and then within probably a year and a half, uh, we sort of built the team underneath us and had, had built the reputation and everything else. Um, and then, yeah, it was I handed my notice in the day I brought in my latest acquisition, uh, yeah. so I'd, I'd brought a lady in and yeah, handed my notice in the day she started, uh, which was. A bizarre move but I had a three month notice period so I knew I'd have time to sort of train her up um, but it's always a weird one when you're sort of training your replacement knowing that you're actually training the competition to a certain degree as well <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, yeah it didn't take long to, to sort of work work my way up there at all Okay. Okay. So, what did you do differently the property finance guy with, with, with this sort of company that you did what was different from the, the JV that you did didn't go very well? Uh, with that, the, the only difference was is that I held 100% of the company. Okay. Uh, so I didn't have to share it with anyone else. It was the, the issue with the JV, actually where the cracks started to form, uh, was that we had completely the wrong skill sets within the okay. company. Um, so yes, I had the skill set of sort of 
doing the finance, raising the finance, but those guys were developers. Uh, they predominantly dealt with developments. They, their skill set wasn't in running a brokerage. Yeah. Um, and, and that became apparent pretty quickly. Um, and that, that's what affected it really. Um, it, yeah, it was just not a great combination of egos, skill sets, all sorts. Um, yeah. So it became very, very fractured very quickly. Uh, so yeah, the difference was that with, with the new company, I held it hundred percent myself. Um, I eventually brought my wife into it as well. Um, and, and yeah, it was just a case of actually I knew what I wanted to achieve. I could go out and achieve it without having to check it with somebody else. Um, and the problem with that JV, it felt like I was employed rather than actually running the company. Yeah. Uh, so it was a very different mindset shift to go from that employed, fully employed to then working for myself, but still feeling employed to then actually completely working for myself, completely hundred percent responsible uh, for absolutely everything. So that was a, a big mindset shift for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great. So typically now um, with the property finance collective, what is the, I was going to say, what's the typical deal that you do, but I bet you there's no typical deal. Um, uh, what, what do you get approached with most? What is a, a, you know, certain type of project or a certain strategy that people are using? Yeah, I suppose the, the two biggest ones at the minute. Um, so before, everything with the virus happened sort of the, the the main bulk of our business was development finance new build developments uh yeah just just guys who either didn't have the experience or maybe were more experienced but looking at, at leveraging higher um so it was sort of the main business we were doing um and, and still are actually to be fair um I suppose what's changed now is actually within the last couple of weeks, we've seen a massive surge in what's called development exit. Um, so development exit finance is almost a bit like a, a parachute that comes in to save you when your development runs over or if you haven't got enough time to sell the units or anything like that. So it just sort of saves you from potentially losing the site um, or running into default or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, we've seen a massive surge in that. Um, I suppose the, the biggest transaction volume of what we did actually was was probably small, smaller buy, refurbish, refinance deals, uh, specifically in and around sort of Newcastle, Durham, that way. Uh, we were, were pretty closely with a sourcer up there who, yeah, is finding sort of high volumes of these smaller deals. Um, so yeah, we that that was probably the highest volume, but by no means sort of the biggest value um but yeah that's that's sort of, cover a bit of it like you said there's no typical deal but they're, they're probably the three main areas that that we're focusing in um yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's changing daily at the minute it's it's really difficult to sort of yeah. say where <laughs> where it's going to end up um yeah exactly. not, what are some of the kind of what are some of the kind of issues you're seeing right now with regards to finance we know that a lot of financiers are kind of they're kind of taking a back foot and um, maybe, you know, not taking, not doing valuations anymore, or closing their doors or, you know, doing 60% loan to value as opposed to 75%. Um, what are you seeing yourself? Yeah. So I think a lot of that is a, a bit of noise in the industry. I think I, I, okay. I don't think that's entirely true across the board. I think a couple of lenders have done that and then people have sort of pushed it out and, and made it 
oh yeah, everyone everyone is doing this Um Yeah, massively. I mean, I I can only speak really for the sort of commercial side. Um, yeah. Not not really for the buy to lets or the resi side, but on on the commercial side, yes, we are seeing uh, a reduction in lane to values. Um, not quite as dramatic as seventy five down to sixty. Uh, we we're, we're seeing more like seventy five down to seventy. Uh, so we're not seeing sort of huge jumps. Um, I mean, five percent lane to value is still substantial when you've got to find that as a deposit. But yeah. um, that that's all we're really seeing in terms of interest rates. They're all staying the same. Uh, lenders are still lending at the rates that they were lending pre-virus. Um, I suppose with the valuations, I've not actually seen any valuers cancel as of yet. Um, I've seen them change what they want to do. Uh, so, for example, I had one this morning where the guy said, look, we'll pick the keys up from the estate agent. We want the estate agent to hand the keys to us over the sort of door. Uh, we don't want to go into the estate agency or anything like that. Um, and not only that, we want the property completely empty, no tenants, no applicant, absolutely nothing. We go to the property on our own. Don't want to see anybody there. Um, so that's made it a little bit trickier. Um, I had another lender phone me today and they've just said that they're doing everything as desktop valuations from now on. Um, yeah. which is fine. I mean, most valuers are okay with that. Um, I suppose with a, a lot of what we deal with is land, commercial buildings, that sort of thing that, that can be valued uh, via a desktop valuation. Um, I suppose it becomes slightly more difficult when you're trying to value a house via a desktop. But uh, I, yeah, we, we've not seen, as of yet, Touchwood, not seen any valuers actually cancel a valuation. Um, so we're, we're very much business as usual at the minute, sort of. The only difficulty I'm finding is just placing some of the bigger deals, uh, sort of your two million pounds plus, just because lenders are just a little bit cautious at the minute. Obviously, we're only we're only what into our second day of the lockdown at the point of recording this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, from a lender's perspective, that it's still so early on to to sort of understand what's going on. But I mean, in in terms of today, I mean, the FTSE's gone up uh, by nine percent since uh, the lockdown was announced. So from that perspective, I mean, the market has recovered slightly, not a huge amount, uh, but it's recovering. Uh, and I think lenders will probably go to ground for a few weeks. Uh, but I think then once the lockdown's over, which fingers crossed will be in a couple of weeks, uh, I, th- I think we'll just see lenders start to come back uh, with, with products that they had sort of pre-virus. Um, I think what will be interesting is to see how much damage this short period of time does to the economy, to the property market. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what that does to house prices, house sales. Uh, the other really scary thing is that as of today, the Scottish land registry is closed. Um, so the issue is, is now the Scottish land registry is closed, which means you can't buy or sell property in Scotland. Uh, now, if that moves into England, that's going to be catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, so the, the issue you've got from that perspective is, yes, lenders may then move back into the market, but if the land registry is closed, there's nothing you can do at that point. Yeah, so sort of, <laughs> yeah you, you're constantly battling these different things coming from a thousand different directions uh, to try and stay ahead of the curve. But yeah, it's, it's weird times. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like the sound of that. We've got a potential deal um, about to go through, so um, we we just agree the purchase price. So hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the the difference between uh, the land rush up in Scotland and and England, I think up in Scotland they're they're struggling with working remotely. Um, okay. I, I think in England, I, th- I think we'll be okay. I think they're all fairly uh, okay with working remotely, but. Who knows? Um, I think the government will try and do everything they can to get the land registry back in Scotland operating uh, as it should be as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, no, completely understand. It's, it is crazy times, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's hard to believe all this has actually happened. And, and within such a short period of time as well. Um, yeah. Because we all sort of came out of January, February. Yes, Boris Bounce. Property prices are doing great. Mm. The economy's great. Everything's fantastic. And then a couple of weeks later, we're all in lockdown. Oh yes, it's, yeah. It's it's mind-boggling, really, when you think about it. But it's yeah. yeah. I, so I think remember it's Jack mentioned. I think Jack Jack mentioned there one time about like oh, this new thing, the coronavirus. Have you heard about? It? And I was like, what coronavirus? What's that? And then, like, just looking on Google and, and things like that, and some joke came up about the Corona beer or whatever, like, and I just like, oh, you know, didn't think anything else of it. And here we are now, two weeks later, and it's like, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> mad. It's, 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 we, we had a launch of our event in London uh, at the beginning of March, and people were drinking Corona beer and everything else, and it, it, it just yeah. wasn't a thing. And that was the third, third or fourth of March. Uh, so we're, we're talking three weeks ago pretty much actually it was three weeks yeah. ago today um, yeah. and it's like yeah we had 150 odd people in the room and like if that was today like, well we wouldn't have more than two in the room so yeah, yeah it wouldn't happen <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird to think where it's gone in in three short weeks yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy yeah, isn't it Right, let, let's let's talk a coronavirus. Must talk about finance. <laughs> it's it's hard not to talk about it, isn't it? When it's um when it's it's taken over the taken over the UK, really, hasn't it? Yeah, very very difficult. Okay, and um, we we just had a couple of couple of short topics we wanted to sort of touch on. Common mistakes, obviously, that with me and Joe over the past sort of years, sort of just getting started. You know, always learning new stuff all the time trying to speak to you know brokers mortgage advisors solicitors as much as possible to try and learn as much what would you say is probably a a common mistake that people come to you and you sort of have to highlight quite a lot yeah i suppose probably one of the biggest ones uh is is not taking all your costs into account okay um so people will approach with a deal so let's take a buy refurbish refurbish People won't take into account the finance fees, potential project management fees, solicitor fees, valuation fees, arrangement fees, refinancing fees, all of this different cash that they have to take into account, and they, they seem to forget about it. Um, so we tend to find that we've, we've spent quite a lot of time stacking deals, um, which is fine. I, I love doing that, yeah. so it's not an issue, but it's, uh, it's always quite a funny one. I, I suppose the other... The other massive mistake that people make is not realizing that they have to go into their solicitor when they sign their documents. Um, So what I tend to find is that someone, let's say, because I'm based just north of Peterborough, let's use Peterborough as an example. 
So somebody might be buying a property in Peterborough, but they're using a solicitor in Liverpool, for example. Now, the issue you've got is if you've got to go into that solicitor and sign your paperwork, it, it's not a short trip. Uh, it's yeah. that's about three and a half hours. So and people don't keep that in mind. And the issue is, is that delays deals, causes deals to fall out of bed even. Because if you can't make it to your solicitor, uh, it's obviously very different at the minute with the virus and everything. People are doing yeah. stuff over Zoom calls, but it's a very different industry mm-hmm. if we, if we uh, imagine that we're back to reality. Uh, the Yeah, if you can't get into your solicitor, if you can't find the time to travel that distance to get to your solicitor, then it, it, it can become a big issue. Uh, and the other thing as well that people don't realise is that they need uh, to use a solicitor that's got two SRA partners or more. Uh, so that's Solicitor's Regulation Authority. They need to have two partners or more. Uh, now, the issue you've got, if you don't do that, the lenders won't allow you to use that solicitor. And the problem is, is that the lenders won't flag that until the legal process has already started. So the issue you've got is that you get into the legal process and then all of a sudden they flag up that you can't use that solicitor and you've got to switch. And it, it again, just becomes a faff. Um, so what, it's worth... That again, I'm sorry, Michael. Two, two SRA partners, did you say? Yes, yeah. So uh, SRA is Solicitor's Regulation Authority. Uh, okay. So you need to have two of... They need to have two registered partners. Uh, and if you go onto the SRA website, you can normally search and find out for yourself. Uh, but if you ring them up and ask them, they'll be able to tell you pretty quickly anyway. Okay. When you mentioned about about the costs and, and people sort of not going through them, you, you reeled off a couple of like uh, fees and stuff. Could could we go through them? Yeah. So I suppose the, the biggest ones that people forget about are the valuation and legal fees. Uh, now, on buy, refurbish, refinance stuff, you're talking about legal fees, potentially you've got your own solicitor to pay for and you've got to pay for the lender's solicitor. Okay. Now, the issue you've got there is that that could be, for both solicitors, the best part of three grand. Yeah. So you've got to take that into account because if you're buying properties up north that are 30, 40 grand and all of a sudden your legal fees are three grand, it, it's a big old chunk. Um, and also with valuation fees, I mean, the valuations are obviously going to be slightly cheaper, but I mean, if you're buying a couple of million pounds worth of property, for example, mm-hmm. your valuation fees are not going to be cheap. Uh, so it's again worth bearing that in mind. Obviously, brokers charge a fee as well. Uh, the lenders charge arrangement fees. Normally, they're around 2% of what you borrow. So yeah. if you're borrowing 100,000 pounds, 2% of that, two grand. Um, but with all these things, I mean, if you take two grand for the arrangement fee, three grand for the valuation, uh, sorry, three grand for the legals, maybe a thousand pounds for the valuation, all of a sudden you're getting up to six grand of cost. And that's yeah. before, before you even started. Um, and that's on a hundred grand purchase. So yeah. it, you've got to take all these things into account. And there's things that brokers can do and things that lenders can do to, to potentially bring those costs down. Uh, but it's just about making sure you're speaking to the right people and stacking the deal in the right way. Um, but it's always worth yeah, keeping those figures in mind because we, I mean, we haven't even touched on project management fees. Um, yeah, just fees for everything. I mean, if you've got big developments that you're doing, for example, uh, you can have quantity surveyor fees, you can have monitoring surveyor fees. I mean, those alone could be, I, I mean, the quantity surveyor for their initial report is anywhere from a couple of grand to 10, 15 grand. I mean, that's all yeah. sort of multi-million pound deals. Yeah. Uh, 
and then the monitoring surveyor could be 600 pounds a month okay so all of a sudden on sort of good sized deals you're losing maybe 10 20 30 grand just in setup fees now mo- most good deals could take that um yeah. and, and could sort of swallow that cost i mean on the smaller 100 grand deals you could be looking at five grand maybe of cost yeah um and again if if it's a good deal it, it should be able to swallow that um but i think a lot of people are sort of pushing forward expecting their deals to be no money left in all money out all this sort of thing uh, yeah. and then they get to the end of it and top all these costs up and then all of a sudden go well, hang on a minute yeah i'll yeah. have to leave five <laughs> five ten grand in the deal um, yeah. and yeah it, it, it's just a case of just understanding that those costs exist yeah, yeah, especially on the on smaller buy refer refinance deals, that the margins are that tight. There's not enough room to play for, to play with when you've got an extra unexpected four or five grand. Then that could be um, a bit of a deal breaker, couldn't it? Really? Yeah, hundred percent. And that that's your biggest risk is that you end up yeah almost shooting yourself in the foot because you've forgotten to account for for basic costs. Yeah, yeah, that's before you even get started, really, isn't it? So yeah, in terms of the cost before you even get started, the other thing people forget is that actually if you don't proceed with deals as well, there's a cost involved with that. Uh, so the risk is is that if you've paid for valuation legals, all these different costs, your issue is is that actually you could be five, ten grand up to your neck in it. Uh, yeah. and then if you pull out of the deal, that, that money's just gone. So it's it's worth keeping that in mind as well, because obviously the last thing you want is to have those costs or not be aware of those costs anyway. Yeah. With reference to um, lenders and, and different criteria and stuff, is there like a, a, a basic that, I know it's probably a hard question, but is there like a minimum requirement of income or is there, if you've got to have a certain amount of experience through certain types of deals, is there like criteria that, that most commonly come in with lenders? So with bridging development, commercial mortgages, they, they all sort of sit under asset-based finance. Um, okay. So with that sort of thing, it, it essentially just means if you've got a good deal and the deal stacks, most of the time the finance shouldn't be an issue. Um, where it sort of becomes a problem is if you're trying to do too much too quickly. Uh, yeah. So what I mean by that is, for example, we work with first-time developers who are doing maybe sort of one, two units, three or four units, small developments. The, the risk you get is that somebody comes along having done maybe a, a couple of small refurbs and then wants to go and build 50 flats. Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> You've got to make that small bit, step yeah. progression. It's a bit um, of a jump from a refurb to 50 flats. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. So it's it's just a case of trying to take sensible steps, basically. Yeah. Um, um, so like say in terms of um, say someone that's starting off new. So basically, just basically getting back onto say JVs. If you're going in, if you're a new company, you don't have any experience, um, but you have deposit from somebody else who might have a bit of experience. Um, how is that in terms of, say, like a JV, if everyone sets up a, an SPV, shareholders and all that, one or two people have experience and maybe the other person doesn't? Or what way is that kind of seen in, in lending terms? Yeah, I mean, as long as somebody on the team has the experience and they can demonstrate that to the lender, 
then yeah. normally you're okay for the finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as somebody's got experience of doing something of a decent size or a similar size, or it's a progressive step, then yeah, yeah normally you'll be fine for the lending. Okay. Okay. And say if it was like a, say a straight up loan, so you've made an agreement to um, purchase a property for, I don't know, 80,000, um, that includes the refurb costs and legals and everything. And someone was willing to lend you the money on that, or even just a deposit, like is, is, is that something, if, if they, even if they didn't have experience, is that something that still was lendable? So where the investor, sorry, just so I understand the question. So this is where the investor has left in the deposit, for example. Yeah, like if they got the deposit from someone else who didn't know anything about property, they didn't want to know anything about it, they just wanted to get like a fixed return on their money. Okay, yeah, fine. So, yeah, I mean, with commercial finance, most structures uh, within SPVs or company agreements are lendable. Um, I think realistically, the only time that you're going to struggle is if you were just going for a vanilla buy-to-let. Uh, and let's say, for example, and, and this is purchasing a, a vanilla buy-to-let, and the deposits come from an investor, maybe the paperwork isn't up to scratch. That, that's the only time you're really going to struggle. Um, okay. I mean, most people would bring the investor in as a shareholder, potentially, depending on yeah. sort of the structure. Um, and if that's the case, then I mean, that's very lendable. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's good because that's something that me and Joe have um, we spoke to a few investors about. Um, we've looked at setting up, you know, SPVs to do certain deals. So that's definitely something that we'd be looking at, and definitely yeah. the buy refurbish refinance model as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's a good uh, it's good practice to get a good accountant on board, um, just to come up with that. Obviously, I'm assuming you guys have got that, but. Uh, in terms of anyone listening to this, uh, in order to set up that company structure of investors coming into SPVs, holding companies, all that sort of thing, uh, yeah. is, is just get a really good accountant to set that up. Because the, the issue you've got is what you don't want to do is set it up yourself, do it wrong. And then if you have a bad JV, which inevitably people do, it's just human nature. Uh, yeah. If you have a bad JV, then what you don't want to happen is to have your other assets at risk. Um, so it's, it's good just to ring fence everything uh, and just make sure that you're protected from all sides yeah okay yeah. yes that's probably lucky for us hopefully um, our JV partner is going to be our accountant and the investing property as well so <laughs> that'll be yeah, a good start just, all, all I'll say is just let's hope that JV doesn't go bad yeah. <laughs> that could go really bad <laughs> yeah okay okay that's great i think we've we've touched on quite a lot of the topics that, that we'd like to touch on maybe as as me and joe progress and we, we do a couple more deals and, and we get a bit more knowledge in in your sector as well maybe we could bring you on for, for a second episode michael would that be possible yeah definitely of course it would that'd be great yeah maybe we'd have um, a bit more experience and, and some some trickier questions to ask <laughs> <laughs> no worries sounds good so, uh, where can people reach out to uh, to make contact with you yeah, so the best place is either the website, which is thepropertyfinancecollective.co.uk uh, or thepropertyfinanceguy.co.uk or search Property Finance Guy or the Property Finance Collective on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the usual places. Um, and then obviously I've got my own podcast as well, which is called The Property Finance Podcast, uh, which I'm hoping you guys will share this podcast on there as well. 
so yeah, I, I'm I'm sure people can find a way of getting in touch. Okay, that's great. Excellent. Perfect. Thanks, Michael. Cheers very much. No Thanks worries. very much. Thanks for me on. See you later. Yeah. Bye. See we talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. 